I guess more of an understanding that it's very difficult <laughs> in the current state. I mean, there, there are a variety of um, mobile app attribution vendors, um, which are great, but I think they currently are um, hitting different technical limitations on just what they're able to do um, because of all the you know, developments in iOS and, and on and the Android side as well. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Yeah, that that is one thing. Like the the, the camera is definitely newer since since you were last a regular. Yep. No one's no one has seen me before. Maybe. It's 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 quite possible. <laughs> yeah. They wonder so, like, uh, does does John really exist? Is he some sort of like AI creation? Like, it's uh, could be. Yeah, we don't know. Nowadays, we never know. We never yeah. know. But uh, but Jason, our our streak of contributors and guests continues. Yes, um, this week. Yes. Um, so this week, um, welcome back. It, it's been been some. It's been a while since you've been on, but it's great to have you back, uh, John Narang. Um, for those that have been listening for a while, um, John was a yeah. We need regular. Have, have we have we have we got the have we got the uh, soundboard set up so you can hit the button with the applause and soundboard? I've tried for some reason Streamyard isn't liking it right yeah. now so I'm I'm still working on that yeah, okay fine well applause anyways for John <laughs> yeah um, I I had some sounds set up and like I would hit them and you couldn't hear them nor did the recording pick them up. Uh, so only I could hear them so it well that really didn't make much lame. sense if I yeah. heard all the <laughs> Someone just has to make the sound. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that in post. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, Sorry. Um, so for those that have been listening for, for a while, John was you know part of the, the podcast in, in the very beginning. It was uh, the three of us. Um, and then, John, you moved uh, to, to Thailand. And so how long have you been living, living there? I know you're back in the U.S. for, for the time being for, for, for a visit. So we thought we'd grab you at, while you're a bit more of uh, an easier time to coordinate or, you know, a much more friendly time to coordinate. But how long have, uh, has it been since you've really kind of put down some roots in, in Thailand? Yeah, I appreciate it uh, that it's, it's a similar time zone now. But I think actually I was in Thailand when I was on the podcast before. It's he been was, about, was, um, yeah. yeah, almost six years now, actually. It's been quite a, a it's, it's gone by quite quickly. Um, but yeah, back in similar time zone now in California. So it's nice to be be back. And I, I noticed that the, it's, this is podcast episode 265, I believe. I saw in your invite. So I must have been here about 250 episodes ago. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it, it was more recent, more recent than that. <laughs> Might have um, had a guest appearance. Yeah, but it, it was definitely more recent than that. But I, in, in the conversations you and I've had, um, you know, with you being back in the U.S., I definitely wanted to, to grab you 
and and have you join us for a bit. You know, with your time in in Thailand, living living there, I was like, in those six years, you know, I, I knew you've had to have um, gathered a new perspective. You know, found how things are different, you know, or maybe probably done differently or things maybe we take for granted. That's what I'm really trying to get at is in thinking through um, topics. I was like, there's got to be things that we um, here based in the U.S., based in Europe, have a very centric view on or take for granted that maybe don't apply elsewhere. So wanted Mm -hmm. to get your input there. And so today's topic, um, I've, I've made it very, very broad. Um, and you and I were talking a bit about it yesterday and it's, it's brought on purpose. Cause I think we could take this several different ways, but where, what I wanted to get your thoughts on is, is like, what is digital marketing technology and the digital customer experience in Southeast Asia? Like, what are those things that we take for granted in the U S that are, are much different. And even to the point where maybe when it comes to digital marketing in the U S things that we do on the regular that may even be the, the complete flip side and be offensive in Southeast Asia, you know, just some things to, to kind of get us going there. But like, mm-hmm. I guess let's start out with like in your time there, like what were, what were some of the, you know, like a better term culture shocks that, that you ran into, especially when it came to digital marketing? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a great question. And um, I think the best way to, to think about it is probably, yeah, taking a look on uh, at how people really interact with uh, technology and, and and with um, you know the their digital touch points, I guess, with with different brands. Um, so whereas a lot of things where when we think about analytics in the U.S., it's very much web-based. Um, in in Southeast Asia, it's very much app-based. Um, it's it's uh, I know we've all heard the term mobile first, but I think it, it's really taken to a, a whole nother level there. Um, in many cases, big brands, even even um, institutional things like banks, like sometimes their website will be very limited or almost non-functional, sometimes not even not even existing. And all the touch points are through through apps uh, for the most point. Um, a lot of brands won't even have their own own website. Um, so things are very mobile first. And when we think of mobile first, uh, I think the other big difference breaking that down is in the US, it's um, mainly iOS, but that's the, the opposite is actually true in, um, in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, a lot of times, um, I'm not up to date on the latest statistics, but it's, it's more like 70 to 80% Android and 20 to 30% iOS. So um, that said, there's a lot of more, uh, there's a lot more complexity around um, even understanding the nuances of, of app tracking, app analytics as well, because uh, you're dealing with a lot uh, larger swath of, of, of devices. Um, so being mobile first, um, obviously one of the big applications is social um, as it is here. Uh, social is huge. Um, I think Thailand is ranked among, um, in a lot of countries in that region, among the, the highest social media users in, in, in the world in terms of time spent. Um, there's been a lot of innovative ways in the way people use social. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of social commerce happens. Um, uh, if you think of the way a lot of commerce is done in, in Asia, um, historically, even you know, pre-technology, it's been around a lot of marketplaces, not really so centralized. 
Um, and that's really kind of evolved into the, the digital landscape as well. Um, so it's very easy for, for some individual person to set up a, a shop, um, like on Instagram, TikTok, um, even before, you know, the official social commerce features were introduced to just kind of sell um, basically whatever. Uh, the, the barrier to entry to, to set up a, uh, an online business is, is much lower. So you see a lot more of it. Um, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of um, peer-to-peer kind of commerce happening. Um, even unofficially, like Facebook groups are very active in Southeast Asia, people are, are, are very comfortable um, selling to each other. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, inherently there's more trust of, of other people, strangers online, if you will, like to, to um, transact, maybe more so than, than the US. Um, that does come with some pitfalls as well, as you, as you do hear of, of more um, potential scams and things happening as well. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll start there. Like I think with, with, with commerce overall, it's, it's, I think that generally, so it's a lot more mobile first, it's a lot, uh, less centralized. There are big, big, um, commerce platforms. Amazon's not there for instance, like almost every, everyone transacts on Amazon in, 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 in the U S. Um, there's a few other big players in, in, in that region, uh, Lazada, Shopee, uh, are, are some of the, the. Uh, Alibaba are some of the are the, some of the big ones, but even the way those function, um, a lot of times it's it's more uh, uh, smaller shops. It's not so centralized. They're more like uh, marketplaces, actually, um, and that that adds to some confusion when you're when you're trying to shop for an item too. Um, whereas if you shop for a specific item, you might see many uh, duplicate items from different sellers, you know, all next to each other. Sometimes there's fake items. So there's a lot, um, it's a lot uh, less, I don't know what the word is, maybe less refined in that sense, but like it's, there's, there's a lot of options, there's a lot of opportunities, but it's, uh, it's definitely a little different on that and, front. And, and just for clarification, when you, when you say mobile first, are, are you mm -hmm. referring to mobile optimized web or native mobile apps or mm. a combination of the two? That's a, that's a good question. So there is, um, there's a mix, but I think actually for the most part, it's more apps now. Um, and overall the, so there's a lot of siloed, uh, touch points. Everyone tries to create their own walled gardens. Um, and this actually, I'm, I'm jumping on to some big topics here, but we can dig into the, um, any of these in a moment. But basically what this is, has been creating is the notion of what they call super apps in, in Asia, where basically one company wants to do many different things. It's not like a single use kind of app. So an example, um, the number one app in, in Thailand is a communication app called line for instance it's on the surface it's something like facebook messenger or whatsapp um, where you can communicate with people but you can also um, it's also a place you can get news it's a place you interact or follow brands you know get a lot of advertising you can um, there's an e-wallet functionality you, you know you can buy your uh, public transit tickets through through this app you can get promotions uh you know 
coupons or whatnot from different um, merchants. Uh, so it, it does a lot more. Um, that's, that's one of the major apps. Grab is another one. Grab is like Uber here where you can request rides and, you know, um, transport, but you can also, it also has an e-wallet functionality. So they all, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of different um, uh, unrelated functionalities that, that these companies are just trying to kind of pull all together to kind of create their own little ecosystems. Um, is it a little bit monopolistic? Yes, but um, that's also kind of the, the historically the way a lot of big business has been been done out there as well. And I, I, I want to just quickly mention the the next episode I have planned for us is is a deep dive into mobile first and mm -hmm. what that means and what 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 that how that actually affects digital analytics and marketing and whatnot. I mean, you're not going to stop us from going down. <laughs> <laughs> no, just don't want you to have to repeat yourself. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Okay, I, I hear you, but I do have one more question on this because I'm interested. Mm -hmm. So because of this mobile-first um, kind of way of thinking about it, do you see it, or in your daily life, do you see the mobile and brick-and-mortar experience more blended together than, than you do in the States where – there's more of a, a crossover, whether you're, you're shopping, you're out doing an activity, you're paying a bill. Is, is there more of a kind of crossover between mobile and, and brick and mortar? Or are they still kind of separate experiences? I think uh, in, in many ways there's crossover, but I guess the, the big difference is for a lot of the individual brick and mortar companies, they won't have their own, um, like their own domain, own website, their own app, they'll be, they'll have um, a presence on one of these super ah, apps. Got it. Like, got for it. instance, um, like in line, they might have like a, uh, that communication app I was talking about, there's the ability to have like a shop within there. So any, like a Shopify shop or something like, so you can have a shop within there. Um, everyone will have like a QR code to, you know, follow them on online, communicate with them directly through that channel. So it kind of, breaks the barrier of entry to having a digital presence. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, and I guess, I mean, I, I guess there's a mix because there, there are a lot of shops that are online only, um, but then we'll also have a, a kind of some physical location. Um, the other the other thing we, which you see a lot more of in terms of brick and mortar are a lot of um, somewhat temporary shops or shop fronts like, uh, if you had a, a, a small business um, selling uh, clothes, for instance, like you could set up that uh, shop at um, a variety of different markets, um, you know, that, that, that are just kind of commonplace in, in Asia. And then, um, you know, these markets might be temporary. They might be, there might be a market only for a weekend or a day, and you can have people that come through, follow your online shop, and then you, you'll have like a, you know, you know, more kind of loyal following. So they kind of interplay with each other in that sense. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Um, what, from a data perspective, what are you seeing? What are companies doing different, maybe more innovative, maybe things that we don't think about here in, in let's just say North America. Cause I think even in Europe, it's a kind of a different flavor as well, but what are you seeing in Southeast Asia from a data perspective that we're not doing here? Um, 
from a data perspective, um, well, one, I feel like there's a lot more, for better or worse, I think there's a lot more opportunities to have very personalized experiences. And I say that because of the fact there's not as many privacy regulations <laughs> to, or hoops to jump through as is the current environment here um, or the rest of the world for that, for that matter. Um, people seem to feel a lot more comfortable with, with uh, you know, like for instance, when I say uh, if, if someone's able to follow a, a brand on online or, or Facebook or whatever, I mean, that's the same application you would use for your personal communication that you're giving to a company directly. Um, so it feels like a little bit more intimate of a connection. Um, and uh, from that, I think you're able to garner a lot more what would be considered private information uh, here. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing. Um, but there's also a lot of gaps um, because of the fact that a lot of, a lot of things are um, on the apps. And a lot of times you're, if you're not having your own um, you know, your own website, your own, your own presence. You don't have access to a lot of information sometimes as well. Um, sometimes you have to go through a third party, you know, like, like Facebook or, or line. Um, so it's, it's a, there's, um, in, in some ways it's a, it's a lot more complicated, I guess, cause there are more touch points and there's unofficial touch points as well that people just generally feel okay. Like, um, it would be more commonplace to, you know, just directly message or the, the owner of a company yeah. or something instead of necessarily going through different channels. So things are kind of all over the place in, in that regard. Do, do you think because it's so app centric that companies like Google, companies like Apple have not been able to uh, use their influence to scare people into this? privacy thing and and I and I, I want to be careful on how I say this and that I think that there's very real and important discussions to have to be had around privacy I just don't think Apple and Google care I think they're mm -hmm. using it for self-serving reasons and they're kind of flooding the North American market to a bunch of uneducated people about this subject to get them scared do you think they've had less influence in Southeast Asia and that's impacting some of kind of the data privacy discussions yeah, I think I, I mean one thing I noticed when I when I came here was a lot of um, privacy focused advertising, like Apple's billboards about like you know iPhones being private privacy first. I don't see that as often in 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 Asia. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the um, yeah the inherent trust some people have in 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 kind of the the peer to peer thing. Um, I, I will say it is changing though, because um, I think, well, similar to here, you are seeing a, a, a recent uptick on in scams, online scams, digital scams, that kind of thing. Um, so I think it will become more of an issue, but I think a, a big uh, um, reason it is the way it is right now is that there hasn't been much education around uh, digital privacy, like culturally. And it's 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 a relatively new newer phenomenon, I would say. Even though it's mobile first, and and I, maybe to set the context too, like, you know, you might think of if it's mobile first now, you might have thought that it was desktop first in the past, like that was the next step in the evolution. 
but actually they kind of skipped over that phase. I mean, basically the fact is most people do not have uh, their own computers outside of work usually. Um, and many don't use computers for work as well. So like a, a mobile phone is their only device that's connected to the internet. Um, and I think just because of that being kind of a newer phenomenon, you know, there's not as, there hasn't been as much history to really, um, you know, just be aware of all the things you, you should be aware of in, in, yeah. in today's, um, the state of how things are right now. Because it's so app centric, do you, has that had any kind of impact on the discussions around attributions? Be, attribution, because here in North America and Europe, there's a lot of freaking out about this ever shrinking, diminishing cookie mm. cookie lifetime. It really isn't an issue if if we're talking apps. So has that altered how Southeast Asia companies look or think about attribution? Oh yeah, attribution is definitely um, important. Yeah, so now if we if we switch over to um, yeah my work with with bigger brands and in Southeast Asia, um, yeah attribution is definitely a, a a key concern. There's a little bit of a, I guess more of an understanding that it's very difficult in the current state. I mean there there are a variety of um, mobile app attribution vendors, um, which are great, but I think the currently are um, hitting different technical limitations on just what they're able to do um, because of all the you know, developments in iOS and, and on and the Android side as well. Um, so I think the truth is there are a lot of, a lot of holes around that. Um, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one that we're, you know, always currently trying to be creative around. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I have a, 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 a true answer. It is, it is concerning, I think, how, how that seems to be going away. Um, so we're just, yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, it's the same challenges as here. It's just with the unfortunate truth that we don't really have, uh, I mean, we even have less of the, the website of attribution, which was a little yeah. bit cleaner in the past. So yeah. um, it's just kind of, maybe it's one of those things where it's, um, yeah, you, you don't even miss it because you never really had it <laughs> so much. But yeah. Um, yeah, it is it is it is a hole, and it's uh, yeah, it's 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 somewhat of a concern. But it's um, I think because of that, there's there's maybe not as much of a focus on attribution. Maybe because you know a lot of marketers weren't used to having so much data, so it's it's a lot more around um, loyalty and retention. I think I think the the key um, for any app experience is to you know, get um, uh, users, you know, login, contact information as soon as possible. Uh, even if it's anonymous, just kind of have some user ID to, 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 to track them throughout the, their life cycle, and, you know, try to look for signals to, to help them stay engaged and, yeah. and loyal. Um, so, so here in North America and Europe, we, we've gone through lots of different uh, hype cycles. I think back in the day it was heat maps and then it was optimization and then it was CDPs and then it was session replay and then it was CDPs again and now it's session. Did those same trends kind of play out in Southeast Asia or do they have their own kind of hype cycles as far as what these companies are looking into from a digital marketing customer experience stack perspective? 
Yeah, I do see it more in terms of um, the, the the platforms that, that apps are developed on as well. Um, it seems to be going back and forth between, um, well, there was a lot of more completely native app experiences, but now it is actually transitioning a little bit towards um, more like a, what they call like progressive web apps. Um, I think it's, I believe it's a, a Google uh, the technology or, or terminology. Um, basically, it's 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 a kind of a, a hybrid approach to 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 apps where there's you know some native like the framework is more native, but the content is more web based, and they're kind of brought together. That also makes uh, a lot of tracking very complicated as well. Um, you know, it's almost similar to the iframe concept on on webs, but like a but more on the app side where you have, um, yeah, multiple technologies kind of working together. So that's definitely one of the, the tracking challenges, I think, with those, those experiences. Um, from an analyst perspective, it would be a lot easier if everything was native um, app. Um, but when we come into hybrid technologies, it's, um, it gets a lot more difficult. Um... What does the personalization landscape look like in Southeast Asia? Yeah, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of opportunities for personalization. Um, it's uh, I think it, it 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 I mean it's it's a very important type of thing. Um, uh, I mean, so we so so the big cloud vendors are in Southeast Asia as well, like like Google and Amazon Web Services. Uh, Google Cloud. Um, so we have those technologies available. Um, uh, sometimes you see a lot of uh, bigger companies trying to invent the wheel themselves as well. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of, um, what's the word? Um, fatigue, I think, of always using um, companies from abroad for <laughs> to rely on some of these technologies. So there's a, there's a, uh, a, a want to some degree to kind of build your own, but sometimes that goes back and forth as well because there's obviously a, a much higher barrier there, and there there are some great technologies existing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's um, there's definitely a um, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, resources dedicated to. To, to personalization and, and a lot of a lot of ability there as well. I think some of the the complications with some of these tools for Thailand specifically are um, Thai language as well. Um, so some of these, um, uh, you know, a lot of these these platforms are built really with you know English first in mind, um, and that works to some degree. But um, for a lot of specific or or, or kind of localized regionally localized content it's some some of those tools don't work as well either in the current state i think they're improving quite quickly but um yeah i think one thing we we do forget about in the us is that a lot of those um vendors are really made for 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 just assuming like english is the the language yeah. that we're we're tracking yeah. um and actually that brings up another point with 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 tracking in general like it's um it's great that uh all the analytics tools now have support for you know Unicode characters and other languages, but in general, it gets um, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made when you're when you're tracking things as well. To in what language they should be tracked in, um, 
in the case of a lot of content or commerce sites, you know, we we might have two different values, like an English value and a you know a localized language value, um, and it's like which one do you track? How do you you know uh, track both? It, it does it uses another dimension, you know, with with an already limited set of available dimensions. So there there are some architectural decisions to be made on that front as well that that can be quite uh, complicated. Got it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious if there's a unique flavor of analytics platform that tends to be the, I guess, Kleenex or Xerox or whatever the terminology is for Southeast Asia. In, in North America, it tends to be, it seems historically been Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. In Europe, I think it's historically felt like it's been PWIC, which I think is now Matomo. Um, do you, is there a Matomo or a Google Analytics of Southeast Asia, or is Google Analytics the the default choice there? I would say in, in Thailand it's Google Analytics, um, but it's there are some. Um, it's interesting because so in in Southeast Asia there's a lot of business being done with China directly, um, and it talks of expansion into the Chinese market, um, which may at least, you know, especially currently is not so um, common in, in the US or <laughs> possible. Um, and China has a lot of restrictions around using American-based analytics tools like Google Analytics, um, which I believe is not allowed. Um, so there are a set of um, uh, tools, um, like for instance, Huawei, um, makes uh, they have a they have a, a, a cloud um, that's almost identical to Google Cloud. It's a clone, basically. Um, I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> it basically is. There's there's there they have a they have a they have a, a clone of um, like Google Analytics called Huawei Analytics. There's a like a they have a, an equivalent of Google Tag Manager. It's almost the same, um, but you know, kind of run under a different. Um, uh, you know, platform uh, that's based out in China. Um, so there, there, it does come up sometimes whether, you know, in Southeast Asia, they should be using those platforms or or something more, you know, globally standard like uh, like Google Analytics. Um, up to now, it's, it's Google is still the standard, but um, I do see that as something to probably watch into the into the future. Um, if the you know those. Uh, if we, if we, if the world takes the opposite direction of globalization, <laughs> so yeah, it is that, is. Oh, sorry. Go finish your thought. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. That I mean that's um. Yeah, it's uh that would make things a lot more complicated for sure. Yeah. And I think just in general, um, yeah, when there when there are barriers like that, and I mean even to some degree in general, the the the, the a lot of the privacy regulations globally, I, I do. I do. Um, I am a little bit uh, nervous about that. Looking into the future, I think just with things being so siloed. Is does the Southeast Asia have a strong vendor agency landscape, primarily focused on digital marketing technologies, or are those being imported from Europe and North America? Um, there are some agencies, uh, for sure. Um, but in terms of the, the, the bigger players, they are currently all, um, international, um, that, at least that I'm aware of. Um, 
I, I do know of some smaller uh, boutique agencies that are regionally based. Um, there's also some international agencies that are trying to build a, you know, more regional presence. I think that's more the the, the common path. Um, I think it's it's it, it does seem to be a growing part. The more local local players, um, I think in general. Um, I mean, if uh, and I mean no disrespect disrespect to anyone, but like I think uh, generally the 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 level of experience has been less mature in in, in Asia recently, but that's quickly changing. Um, I actually see um, the rate of um, of, of improvement growing very quickly. Um, so I think that will will definitely change in the in the near future. But currently, it's still a lot of um, international um, based agencies. I think providing support. What's what's something that you've learned in this app mobile centric environment um, that has given you a different insight or maybe a different perspective to view customer experience by that would be helpful for us to maybe force ourselves into that lens in North America where again we tend to be more desktop focused first I think overall um, I think one thing that that potentially that is easier on mobile is just the idea of direct communication I think maybe because we're we're somewhat natively just used to that. Like if you if we want to, you know, if if we're talking internally or if we're talking to family or friends, it's very easy to to text someone. And I think in, in Asia, a lot of times it's very easy to text um, or you know or call, however whatever you you may uh, want to do directly to um, a company. Um, and for some reason, that seems a lot more difficult to do here. There's a lot of hoops we always have to go through, whether it's you know finding um, uh, you know clicking clicking way deep into a help center to to find a link to get an email or, or something, and a lot of times we'll circumvent it by trying to you know maybe tweet them or something, but it just feels a lot more like customer service might be um, or just the ease of of <laughs> of, of of getting a, a, a human to to talk to you is a lot lower there um and i think sometimes we we may forget about that in terms of i mean uh or it, it comes at a cost of trying to scale very big i think yeah. in, in north america well and sadly that's by design right and whether yeah. it's scale or it's it's margins it's hiding the support of being able to connect directly with the brand is 100 percent by design that mm -hmm. they don't want to connect with their customers yeah so i think that even if the you know the experience um, is not as advanced you know through the technology, I think just being able to talk to someone when you need to is goes a long way. Um, you know, like if you wanted to, if if there was some some seller selling anything, and you can like you could even think of um, another example. I mean, you can uh, order fruit like directly from a farmer or something. A lot of them will have an online online presence. Like you can just talk to them, say you need. Yeah, a box of mangoes, and then <laughs> it can be shipped to you directly, um, very easily. You know, without having to sign up for some subscription or, 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 or go through some some major hoops. So I think at the end of the day, some of those things are just 
it just really feels like it's it's more of a, a tool to contact the you know the the sellers the producers the makers directly um instead of yeah going through such such tremendous hoops and i do i am jumping between like small business and and, and large business i realize but um I, I, that's the other thing too. I think I think you do end up dealing with a lot of smaller business. I mean, that's just the different business landscape. I think out there yeah. as well. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. I think as we see prices continue to to rise, but the experiences that consumers are having with brands continues to deteriorate. I think we're going to hit a tipping point where consumers are going to demand a better experience, and a lot of that better experience is having direct connection with humans and with the brand to be able to curate a better experience. So I, I think it's something that we need to be prepared for. I, I want to say that we, we, we saw that a little bit with um, Jim, the brand we worked with in the UK, Curry's. I, I want to say that they incented people to interact with the brand. I can't remember the story that I was hearing about the people in the stores with the iPads that you're trying to curate a better experience. So I think even at large brands, people that are thinking future backwards are are thinking that way, even if it's hard to scale, right? Yeah, in in their particular case, they and they were trying to get away from using the term omnichannel in a very cliche way. They they really wanted to be able to have the website for those people that knew exactly what they wanted, what they needed. They can make a purchase and and have it either delivered or shipped to a store for pickup. But then they also um, were trying to work on the website and create such an experience for those people who were unsure to entice them to come into the store to speak with someone who was an expert in in that particular category of devices. And those those individuals carried around a tablet with a version of the store called Store Mode. So it could help the uh, help them build a bundle for the customer at, out of both store inventory as well as maybe stuff that had to be shipped to the store. Um, so in this case, the customer got a great experience with someone who helped them find the right collection of products to suit their need. And then it also presented the company with an opportunity to uh, set up their, their, their store associates to be able to cross-sell, upsell, and whatnot. It's such a cool thing and, and a stark contrast to what we see here in North America where it's don't talk to us, go read documents on our website, go into the store and look at stuff, but you can figure it out. You know, it's just it's such a stark difference between those models. That, that does remind me of another, um, another difference, slightly different topic, but slightly related. So when you're talking about commerce, any kind of transaction online, um, the other demographic difference, I think, is that a lot of uh, consumers don't have credit cards necessarily. Um, so because of that, there's a lot of different payment options that are made available. Um, a lot of people will choose to pay with cash. So you can choose cash on delivery many times. Like I, I don't think it's as common in the U.S. anymore. But another um, uh, another kind of method that's um, that a lot of uh, that, or that some uh, merchants will use is um, you can actually pay through uh, counter service, like through, um, uh, so like at 7-Eleven, for instance, 7-Elevens are, are very prevalent in, in Southeast Asia, like every every block kind of thing. It's very common. To- and they're amazing compared to what we have. Oh, like yeah. I've, I follow a guy on YouTube that like 
goes and has these incredible dinners at 7-Eleven. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is awesome. Sorry. Yeah. But what, what, so what you may not know is that you can also pay bills at 7-Eleven um, and pay for, like, if you buy airline tickets, you can pay for them. You can, you can, so on, on the digital experience will be to, like, kind of reserve the, the ticket. And the, but it's not finalized until you actually pay. And you can pay at a 7-Eleven when you're checking out. You, you show them a QR code of, you know, completely unrelated, like from a different airline. Um, AirAsia is an example. Um, you can pay for your tickets while you're, you know, buying a bottle of water or something. Um, and because of that, I mean, that yields to, to other kinds of cross-sell opportunities as well, obviously for, 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 for 7-Eleven, not for the airline. But um, yeah, that's a, that's another completely kind of unique experience. I think that you you wouldn't find here necessarily. So how do you deal with that data, right? If we're not trying, right? It seems like you're and 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 that Seven Eleven yeah. example seems to go across a lot of these examples where the transaction Happens is happening somewhere. on someone else's platform. Yeah. So it, I mean, in in the the digital experience, it's going to be broken. Obviously, the funnel, like you'll you, you can only know up to the certain point. So in those cases, yeah, there's there's a lot more data gathering from third parties, you know, if you're offering all of those those options. So yeah, payments can get very complicated because there's a lot more payment options. In addition to paying over counter, there's also a lot of um, e-wallets, um, that functionality. I think it's, uh, again, related to the fact that not everyone has credit cards. So a lot of these super apps I was talking about also have like a built-in wallet functionality where you can top up cash to have like a digital wallet on your phone. Um, so keep in mind, because no credit cards, there's no Apple Pay either, really. There, Apple Pay is not um, uh, a thing in, in Asia, but 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 cashless is a thing. So like you are paying with your phone, but not through Apple Pay. You're either yeah. um, paying through one of these digital wallets. Um, or the other way that you that that's very common is um, you can do a direct transfer from your bank, similar to like maybe Zelle here. But it's there's actually that's one thing that Southeast Asia has a standard from all the, the banks. There's a standard uh, payment gateway like through QR codes. Hmm. So that's one thing where you don't need a third party app. Actually, you from any bank, anyone with a bank account can transfer to anyone else with a bank account very easily. And a lot of times you'll do that. Um, you know, when you're when you're transacting shopping as well, you can even do it online where like one of the the, the um, payment options will be, you know, paid by QR code. There'll just be a QR code on your screen. You can just do it from your your phone. So, um, yeah, those all make it very complicated to do a holistic funnel um, in analytics. Um, but it adds to the fun, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm wondering if an unintended output of this is if you see digital data less siloed than we see here because it's not like you can really go and do an analysis in google analytics or adobe analytics it's got to be in some larger data store is it's does true. that tend to be the default yeah actually um that's a really good point uh maybe one i didn't even consider because it's just it seems so commonplace but um yeah absolutely like um in Asia for, for the clients that we've worked with, um, there it's yeah it's impossible to get a com uh, a complete view of payments and transactions directly within the analytics tool. Yeah, it's, we're always um, 
are bringing in multiple data sources together, um, and we do have to create some some custom solution for that. Um, yeah, it, it could very well be a, an opportunity for another another thousand Martech vendors, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is that is that is definitely a, a pain point currently. Um, we do have to bring in a lot of a lot of sources together. Yeah, and try to try to fun uh, pop it together somehow. But it's uh yeah, it does get quite quite complicated. <laughs> no easy solution. Yeah. Or if anyone knows an easy solution, please let me know because it's been quite complicated. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that one <laughs> one exists. Yeah, I, it sounds incredibly complicated. But again, I think one of the positives coming out of it is that it forces you to think more broadly about your data strategy mm-hmm. uh, right out of the gate rather than just saying oh you know we'll compartmentalize our, our strategy based on the tool you just don't have that option yeah. there so and i think that that's a net positive yeah and i think it, it's it also uh, is a great opportunity as well because i mean um i mean is everything figured out or perfect now absolutely not but um uh, yeah, I think I think it's it's I, I see great potential in, in ways we can help um, improve that or you know into the future. Um, but yeah, it's it's something we're actively trying to to work out. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's something difficult for a lot of um, a lot of companies. I think I think any um, you know North American based retailer that wants to expand to that region just has to be prepared for a lot more complexity around around payments in general. Have you found your with your time in 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 um, in Thailand that it's made you a better analyst? Not necessarily because you're thinking about things from a different geo mm-hmm. perspective, but just forcing you to think differently about data in general. Yeah, um, I think so. Actually, um, I think because of the fact you can't necessarily rely on out of the box reports for most things. Um, that you really have to think about or, or remember, you know, what you're doing something for, um, the intention of what the stakeholder is really trying to, to look for or, or what you really need to know to try to optimize a business problem. Um, so we're, we're constantly looking at that. Uh, one thing that I, I think we pay a lot more attention to is a lot of um, failures or errors too in, in the process. Like we really try to get as much information about where people are getting stuck for whatever information or, or data set that we have. Um, we definitely have to understand all of the data sets a lot more because of that kind of trying to merge everything together. Um, I think I think because of just the yeah the way things have been kind of set up for those those reasons we talked about, like the you know the individual marketplaces. Um, but it's interesting because it, it, I do see the, that trend kind of starting or, or, or in progress now in, in the U.S. as well, where things are becoming more um, siloed and we, we're kind of having to piece things together yeah. again also. Yeah. So in that case, um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I have had good experience with um, being able to, <laughs> to take things apart and put them back together a little bit more. Yeah, um, awesome. but, it's, uh, but it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it, there's no the world is messy no. it, it's just yeah. a reflection of reality <laughs> that's true so, too yeah. yeah that's true too um what's kind of the sphere of influence of southeast asia from a martech perspective it sounds like obviously china has 
uh, a lot of potential influence and impact there. Do you also reach out to the Pacific um, or is that a different, I mean, cause we tend to lump Asia pack together, but is Australia, New Zealand, is that a completely different geo from how you're viewing things in, in Southeast Asia? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in terms of vendors and, and things, I mean, we are probably looking at um, Australian-based vendors a little bit more because of the similar time zone. However, in terms of commerce and behaviors, um, I think Asia is more separate from, from Australia um, because I think the, the Asian consumer um, is a little bit different than the, like, the Australian one would be. Um, but I mean, that said, it is becoming, you know, somewhat globalized. But uh, um, yeah, I, I feel like it is uh, still a little bit, a little bit different. Um, it's uh, like I said, there. I think there is starting to be some fatigue on always relying so much on the the, the Western yeah. companies for technology um, solutions. However, and, and it was more troublesome in the past because um, up until recently, like for instance, uh, like Google Cloud didn't have a, 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 a local um, uh, data center. I mean, they recently opened one up in, in Thailand, which, which, which helped a great deal. But um, the other thing that you know, they always have to deal with or think about more is the latency as well when you're yeah. dealing with cloud services between just the geographic location um, so some of those are being solved for. I think there was a, a little bit of a hole for a while too, in, in, in you know trying to, to build something um, more regionally based. Um, I will say that Southeast Asia is, is one of the, the fastest growing regions for digital technology. So mm. it's definitely still a developing market, but there's a um, you know they're starting to build the the right environment to to um, create the you know a more innovative environment um so so hopefully we'll see a lot more progress in the, in the near future jim you know what might be fun um and and my friend ben down in miami says he's a huge fan of the podcast we'll see if he made it this far into this episode he'll text me and tell me i he heard his name and he's down for it but it might be cool to see if he would come on he's a kiwi um and see if we could do a a conversation between him and, and John to talk about the differences and similarities between Asia and, and the Pacific. I think that would be a really cool episode. Yeah. Yeah. Connect me with them. And no, no, no. I He's will... got to reach out. He's got to reach ah, out to us. I see what you're I'll doing. Okay. You. Yeah. 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 Ben, Re if you're listening, to text, reach out, let us know that you, you think this is a good idea. All right. Uh, Jim, do you have any questions? As, as always, I tend to like hog the mic here. Uh, do you have any follow-up last minute questions for for john uh, no worries no worries john uh it, it, it's been great you know chatting with you again on the podcast i have one question for you um wh what's been the biggest adjustment you've had to make with the uh, the work that you do um like what has maybe created uh, presented you the biggest challenge or yeah like i mentioned like what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make i think Probably more, not not so much technology based, but I think more just the communication. Um, I think in terms of, um, I mean, similar to to what we all experienced. I mean, communicating with stakeholders and, and the the clarity of that tone. But I think um, 
the one difference is probably just goes back to the fact that it's um, a little bit newer of a space, I think, in Southeast Asia. So, um, you know, there's 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 occasionally a lot of conversations that I have to have that maybe the rest of us forgot about, about like, you know, maybe the difference, what a session is or, or things like that as well sometimes. Um, you know, there's a lot more uh, frequent uh, education, a lot of a lot more training type of sessions that we need to have. Um, there's a, uh, and it's I think everyone kind of absorbs the knowledge very fast, very quickly, and learns very quickly. But the truth is, I think they haven't had uh, exposure to a lot of it in the past. So in that sense, um, there's a lot more of the the educational aspect. I think that, that that goes goes along with it that I've gotten used to, and I think just really um, learning to kind of speak more clearly um, about some of the, the you know the, the the core trends that we're seeing, um, and helping to really close the gap between um, you know seeing what the anomaly or the trend in data might show, and then what we could actually do about it. Kind of um, helping to to bridge that um, the entire way. Um, so I, generally, I think just more of the kind of the handholding per se. But it's um, yeah, nothing. Um, it's just more due to the fact that um, I think the the space is a little bit uh, hasn't had time to mature as much yet. But um, from what I've seen, everyone's extremely enthusiastic to 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 learn more. So. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more from 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 this region in the in the near future. Interesting, yeah, very very interesting perspective on that. Um, because I was kind of assuming you might go with uh, maybe something more hard skill based, like how mm. to adjust this or get familiar with this particular tool or how to adjust the way I use this particular tool. And instead, yeah. it was all soft skill based. You know, oh yeah, I think it's more soft skill. And, yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very cool then. Um, yeah, this, this has been a lot of fun. Um, like I mentioned earlier, um, have you back for, for the next couple episodes while you're still here in the U S and, uh, the next one, I definitely want to dig into that mobile first. Okay. Um, definitely. You know, like I, I like how you kind of were telling us the, the cause for that. So, so it was a bit of a teaser for the next episode, the cause being everyone kind of there jumped from, you know, jumped over the desktop phase right to, to the mobile phase. So yeah, I'm mm -hmm. interested to, to hear more. And, and in this case too, also, you know, what adjustments you had to make in your, in your day to day and your approach when it came, when it comes to the mobile playing that kind of role. Cool. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to be back in this, this crew. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot of fun. So all right, let's go ahead and wrap up there for this week and talk to everyone later. See All right. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.